the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Thanks for joining the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley, and we welcome you in. Josh Pick, Aptus Wealth Management, here with me. And for the next hour, we'll be taking you through current events in the world of growing your wealth. Inflation numbers are out. We'll talk about those. How do you invest? How do you get a plan? Aptus Wealth Management specializes in a plan to grow the hard work that you have put in to grow that into a retirement nest egg, sure, but peace of mind and financial independence is what we're striving for here to help you with that. That's what they specialize in at Aptus Wealth Management. That's why they give you a free consultation. They'd like to get to know you, and they would like to introduce their concepts of investing to you. You can set that up at 614-917-1040. You can also set it up online at aptuswealth.com. Josh has a YouTube channel where you can avail yourself of smaller doses of the concepts we talk about here. So you can pause it, stop it, think about it, take notes, Search Josh Pick Finance on YouTube to get into that. So, Josh, welcome to the show. And we had the inflation numbers this week. And while they are down from their peak of 9.1 in June, they were 8.5 in July, 8.3 in August, 8.2 in September, they're not coming down at the speed people would like them to. And they're coming in the last two months, at least, above where experts predicted they would. So I think overall, generally, not good news on the inflation front. Yeah, and I think it points directly to the fact that uh, you know things are maybe a little worse than are being purported. Uh, and I think you see that in in the interest rate increases that we've seen out of the Fed over the last three raises. Mm-hmm. You know, they've never done a back to back three quarters of a percent raise. They've done it now three times instead of just two, which was unprecedented. And that's not to say, Bruce, that rates haven't gone up higher than they are today in the past. Just think back to the '80s; they took prime rate all the way up into you know, the 20 range. Sure. And we're not anywhere close to there now. However, we're getting there really, really quickly, much faster than we have in the past. So I think it points to the fact that, you know, we're in an economy right now where inflation is a bigger problem than we're hearing, and they're going to have to take some pretty drastic measures. Now, if history repeats itself, the Fed usually overshoots the runway on that. Mm-hmm. So it's a lagging indicator. Fed raises interest rates. It doesn't immediately affect the system. It takes time for that to kind of trickle through and take hold. And what usually happens as they continue to raise, 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 trying to bring us into a soft landing, it's not so soft, and they go, oops, and then they drop the rate to boost the economy back up. So that is yet to be seen, but I would envision that we'll see that again. The question is, how long will they continue? And I certainly don't have a crystal ball, but if we've got any indication on the last three raises, uh, not anytime soon. Yeah, and I think you know their next meeting is right before the midterm elections, and it's generally... Uh, considered a foregone conclusion that they're going to do a fourth three-quarter of a basis point raise. 
And now some people are even talking about a fifth one on the heels of that, which shows me their determination to get inflation under control. And so it's a pretty elementary question, but why is it such a pressing matter to them to get inflation under control? A lot of things. Number one, you want to make sure that the value of your currency versus worldwide markets remains strong so that you remain competitive amongst global trade. Uh, Two, we want to keep our currency strong because we are the world currency. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, as as people are doing business around the world, they transition their currencies into U.S. dollars for trade because we are known as kind of the most stable currency in the world. So all these things are important. But beyond that, think of the average consumer. If inflation is running rampant and jobs don't keep up with that or economic expansion, which is really what drives the wages up in the world. So if we're not growing, GDP isn't growing as a country at the rate that inflation is. Well, then it becomes a problem because your citizens can't afford the stuff that they need to buy to live. So it's all very, very important to remain relatively stable and relatively consistent in inflation rates. Yeah, and that's a great explanation because we hear about uh, are we in a recession? Whenever we hear the inflation numbers, you say, are we in a recession or what's the Fed doing? Will that trigger a recession? So we used to say that a recession was two consecutive quarters of the economy not growing. I guess it has had two consecutive quarters of not growing, but it was not by a huge margin that it didn't grow. So the Biden administration kind of wants to parse words there and say we're not in a recession, but still that question lingers over the what ifs of the inflation number of the Fed interest rates and all that. So are we in a situation now where we are still asking, will we have a recession or is a better question, what kind of recession are we most likely to have? Yeah, well, we're in the United States. So we like labels. And then we like to say, uh, depending on what side of the aisle we're on politically, we like to remove those labels as they you know serve our, our cause. But in general, if I was just going to describe a recession, a recession would look like a period of time where people are losing jobs or the job market is getting much more difficult, Mm -hmm. where people are having difficulty affording goods and services, where inflation is running out of control would be a good indicator. The stock market being down by, you know, greater than 20 percent for a period of time. And then, you know, the banking system becomes in question. Uh, You know, are our Mm -hmm. banks, can we trust our banks to be able to follow through on the promises that they provided to us? Or is FDIC going to have to get involved? And then, you know, there's a bunch of other things like uh, that we could take a look at. But let's look at the ones that we just talked about. So how is our currency doing worldwide? Our inflation's a problem, but our currency worldwide, believe it or not, here's a good thing, um, is appreciated versus worldwide indices by 13%, which is the greatest increase in a one-year time period in the last two decades. Wow. So- As bad as we think we're off, remember that most countries around the world have a Fed, too. Mm -hmm. And those countries are not doing well either. And we may be kind of dealing with our problem where they're still trying to address a bigger problem through stimulus spending. So if we look at our dollar versus Europe versus China, we actually look pretty good, which is crazy. So the real question is, are we in a global recession? Right. But then we could look at some of the negatives. And, you know, as much as we hear that there's jobs everywhere. And if you want a job, you can find one and rates are up and, you know, what you get paid is is on the rise. In September, layoffs jumped in the United States by 46 percent compared to 68 percent of 2021. So you'd think that would be good. But unfilled job openings are also starting to narrow. Mm -hmm. So we're going from an environment where everything is great and rosy and everybody can get a job to, well, it's not looking quite as good. Does that mean we're in a recession? Of course not. Not by that metric alone. Banks are in good shape now. So if you look at since 2020, 
uh, no banks have failed since 2020. So if you look past COVID and say, how are we doing today? Uh, the FDIC has identified fewer than one-tenth of 1% one of banks have potential problems on the horizon. So our banking system still looks pretty good. I think we're defining a recession by the stock market's been going up like a rocket ship for the last 10, 12 years, and we've been living really, really good. We've gotten stimulus checks, which has injected a bunch of money into the system, which has made that look even better. And now, well, we're not getting free money, and the market isn't doing so well. And, you know, you can't just, like, show up to a job anywhere and say, I have no skills, give me a job, and we have to give you a job. So things are just tightening. I wouldn't say that we're in a downright recession yet uh, by kind of overall definitions, but it is pointing towards a direction of if the Fed has to continue to raise interest rates to thwart off inflation, we're going to have bigger problems. And that's all such great information, and that's the advantage of going into Aptus Wealth Management for the free consultation is you really start to understand that, you know, while you may magnify things in your own mind or may think you have an understanding of something, it's always best to consult a professional and find out what's really going on and maybe have what you know, and it could be accurate, what you know folded into a larger conversation so you gain a greater context and depth of understanding. Set up your free consultation at 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com, aptuswealth.com, the website, and you can find them in Lewis Center, just a little bit north of the 23270 interchange, just off Route 750. And they do service many clients via remote hookups. So if you're not in the central Ohio area, it's not a problem. Aptus is very familiar and very adept at consulting with you uh, remotely. Okay, so you mentioned the stock market, and that, Josh, is typically how people save for retirement when they're long-term saving because the stock market's been very good to people. It's gone up over time. Here are some first cents that you know paint a very depressing picture of the market. It was down in September, 9.3%, third straight losing quarter. In the first half of the year, the stock market, according to one metric, worst performance since 1970. The S&P 500 down 20%. That's the second biggest decline ever. The NASDAQ down 29.5%. That's the worst ever. And the Dow was down 15.3%. Worse since 1962. So let's start with those indexes, okay? And what is the difference between, when people say the stock market, are they talking about some index, S&P, Dow, whatever? What's the difference between the S&P 500, the Dow, the NASDAQ? And I'll throw another one at you that I hear, not very often, but I hear it sometimes, the Russell 2000. Yeah, so in general, when people talk about the stock market, they're usually talking about the S&P 500. And the S&P 500 or Standard & Poor's 500 is simply the biggest 500 companies in the United States. There is no management that goes into that other than, okay, well, one went to 501 and one went to 500. We kick one out. We let the next one in. So they do change it from time They to do time. change it from time to time. It's okay. based purely on market cap, essentially. Okay. So. It's the biggest 500 companies. And the theory behind following that is the market is if the biggest 500 companies in the United States are doing well, then in general, probably rising tides rise all ships. Most companies in the United States are doing well. Mm -hmm. The Dow, which was the first index before the S&P 500, is simply the 300 largest industrial companies. Mm -hmm. So think of Dow Chemical, right? Think of these types of mm -hmm. companies. Now, why don't people typically look at the Dow? Well, some people still do because, you know, old habits die hard. but. Sure. In general, if you're looking at 30 companies versus 500, you're getting a larger sample size. People go with 500. When you then dive into, uh, let's say, the NASDAQ, well, now we're looking predominantly at tech-heavy companies. 
So most companies that are those kind of shot out of a cannon, really quick growing companies. Now, we're not talking about super small companies like your neighborhood uh, pizza shop. We're Mm -hmm. talking about substantial companies, but companies that are typically leaning towards tech, uh, that comprises the NASDAQ. And then uh, lean into the Russell 2000 is even smaller companies, and there's 2,000 there. But how many indexes are there? Essentially infinite. I mean, you can go all the way to the Barclays Dynamic Balance Index, and there's the Lehman Brothers Aggregate Bond Index, which tracks bonds, particularly corporate bonds. You have treasury indexes. You have a million indexes that you track. And it seems like they're coming out with a new one every single day. And now what used to be kind of just a very simple algorithm of this index tracks the biggest 500 companies, and as one falls out, one falls in. Now they have these dynamic balancing indexes that are based upon things like market volatility. So if volatility picks up, the index will actually shift money to cash or safer investments or bonds from stocks and vice versa. Now, why we need that many indexes, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> However, um, and you will see very large companies owning indexes. For example, JP Morgan owns some indexes that you wouldn't guess that they own. And you'd say, well, how do you own an index? Well, they trademark an index. And then when somebody wants to create a vehicle that tracks that index, they have to pay them some sort of royalty, right? So the next question then is, well, what do I do, right? What, what index makes the most sense? Sure. Well, I think if you're tracking just the virility of the U.S. economy, the S&P 500 is a pretty darn good place to start because if the top 500 companies are doing poorly, then we're probably doing poorly. And let's talk about something as it relates to that. I've been hearing as of late in particular, people will call and say, I can't lose all my money. I'm down. You know, as we sit here today, the market's down over 26% year to date. So you had given a number about the first half of the year. But mm-hmm. let's, let's talk about as of today. The market's down over 26% as of today on the year. And then as soon as that happens, the question is, can I lose all my money? I want to go to cash because I don't want to lose all my money. And I'm not suggesting that the market might not go down more from here before it turns around and goes up. But I could point to uh, an infinite number of examples that would show you that it's not going to go down forever. But let's suggest that it did. Let's say that we're a doomsday prepper and we assume that it is going to zero. If it is going to zero and you think you're protecting your money by putting in cash, um, you are sorely mistaken. Can you imagine a world, the United States, where the biggest 500 companies in the United States all went to zero? Money's not money anymore. Yeah, it doesn't exist. So my point is, it can't go to zero. It's not a question of will it come back. It's a question of when. And as soon as we start having that conversation, then we start talking about diversity and appropriate appropriateness of your investment strategy. So I think it's more important that when I have those conversations, and if you're having that conversation, listening to this, going, you know, I know I need to hedge against inflation, and I know I need money in the market, but I'll be darned if I understand what I'm doing, and I don't believe in my plan because I don't even understand my plan, and I don't know why things go up and they go down. There is a way that you can hedge your bets. There is a way where you can play but not be worried about losing all your money. And you know you need to right? because inflation's 8.3% or whatever it is, right? Exactly. So you need to set up an appointment with us or somebody like us as yes. quick as you can to make sure that you don't make a really rash, irrational decision. Well, and that's just personal information, folks. My, my wife and I sat with Josh and his team at Aptus, and you know, I had it in my head. Uh, do we want to be in stocks? Do we want to be in bonds? Do we want to be... And we didn't know all the different options that we had, and I consider myself a more than you know rudimentary investor. But it gave us such peace of mind to understand that there is a plan there, a blueprint. That's why they call it the Aptus Retirement Blueprint. There's a blueprint there that you can follow that, A, you'll understand it, B, it'll make total sense to you, and C, it'll give you peace of mind. So we've gained it. 
by going with Aptus. I think you will too. Aptus Wealth Management, free consultation, 614-917-1040 on the web at Aptus Wealth, and Aptus is spelled A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. So I want to dig a little bit more into these losses in the market. These percents that they're down, they're down at a time when inflation is at 8%. So really, the percentages of the market being down 20% and your dollar in your hand is uh, eight is worth eight cents less with eight percent inflation than it was the year before. So the losses, when they're listed as this percent, that percent, while your money's going down, the losses are even worse than that, right? Absolutely, yeah. You're kind of darn if you do, darn if you don't, right? I leave it in cash. I'm down eight eight percent for sure. If I had it in the market in the S and P 500 at least, well, now I'm actually down thirty four, not twenty six, right? So it's a big problem, yeah. And how do you handle that? Well, you should have some investments that you intend on using if you're getting nearer and nearer to retirement, if you're on that kind of five-yard line. You should have some investments that are hedged against purely inflation where you're not so much worried about capital appreciation. You're worried about just preservation of purchasing Mm -hmm. power that you're going to use here pretty soon. But then you should have other investments that have tremendous potential for long-term growth that you're not worried about the volatility that's in the market right now. Now, granted, it might cause some heart palpitations, rise of blood pressure, make you want to do some irrational things, but... You know, the heart of hearts, you got to just leave it alone. But then there's the shades of gray in the middle, and I think that's where we get lost. I think that there's plenty of people out there that will give you great advice, or at least respectable advice, on where should I be in the market? And then they'll give you no advice, but go, if you don't want to do that, well, then leave the money in cash because then you won't lose a nickel. But where's the middle? I need need something in the middle. I want to be able to be somewhat in the market but hedge against loss. I, I would like to be involved in the bond market, but I constantly hear... That as interest rate rises, as interest rates rise, bond prices fall, and I don't want to get caught in that trap either because that's no different than the S and P five hundred, and that's where it gets a little bit murky. Uh, and and the answers are available, and the logic pattern is there. We just need to walk through the process on what to do. Yeah, and we've done that with Josh and his team, and you can do it too. And it's really easy to understand and grasp. I think it'll open up new vistas for you. And you know, I just imagine. Uh, where I used to be thinking about, man, you know, I'm getting close. I'm not on the cusp, but I'm close to retirement. And what a terrible time this is for there to be these kinds of economic conditions. But there is a way to balance that risk and take some of the volatility out. Uh, There are choices to be made for sure. And the great thing that we found when we went in with Josh and his team is that we made the choices. They didn't make the choices. They armed us with the information and the choice was ours. So you don't surrender any autonomy when you go with Aptus Wealth Management. 614-917-1040 or online at aptuswealth.com. Can a recession, can these conditions work to people's advantage in any way? I mean, it strikes me that there are always places to make money in the market. And, you know, there are some that seem kind of too risky for me. Like you look at oil. Oil's up 46% this year. Natural gas is up 74%. Those are commodities. I wouldn't have any idea what to do with commodities. And I think commodities are, I always thought, like, no, that's a great place for me to lose all my money. But the larger question, are there places, even in these conditions that we talk about being very challenging and very scary, where you can do well? Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, commodities would be a great place. But the question is, like you said, how do I play that game without buying options and as soon as you say the word options, people go, oh, man, I knew a guy yeah. or I knew a girl lost everything in options. Sure. And while I just got done saying that you can't lose all your money in the S&P 500 over time, or at least a lot of terrible things would have to happen, um, you absolutely can lose all your money trading and buying and selling options. Mm-hmm. So, so you're right in that capacity. 
But there are ways to get involved in that. Now, am I suggesting that everybody should shift from the stock market to the commodities market? Because that's, of course not. But it all comes down to diversity. And, you know, there's also, I think this gets overlooked, there is value in not just picking stocks, but in, let's say we're going to outsource that, which everybody does for the most part. People are outsourcing to money managers via mutual funds or ETFs or whatever it might be. Not all money managers are created equal. Not all money managers... Uh, manage money the same way. And some money managers and their philosophy or their general ideologies or their algorithms or however they're managing money do better in certain times versus others. And you can't just simply look at star rating on Morningstar. Now, that's a great place to start. Don't get me wrong. But some Morningstar um, rankings, and and for those of you listening who don't know what Morningstar is, Morningstar is kind of like the consumer reports of mutual fund and stock investing Mm -hmm. where they'll give them star ratings based upon their own little algorithmic equation and the best fund being a five star the worst being a one star well what is one thing that goes into that you might have a value fund manager that really bases stocks on deep value and they never drift from that so they'll never have any style drift into a growth sector well a lot of value stocks have had over the last 10 years some shift into growth which has allowed them to get better returns than they probably should have. Well, that's also put them at higher risk as growth may fall out of favor and value comes into favor. So if you're a deep value investor right now, you might be a three-star in your category of no fault of your own. You're actually doing what you're saying you're doing. Right. That might be a great investment to purchase in times like these, right? So how do you pick? How do you choose? Well, a a lot of ways, and, and one would be experience. So you don't, you have to have a lot of experience and you have to have a lot of insight and you have to have a lot of access, but it's just throughout two, three decades of doing this, Mm -hmm. you figure out, you've been through enough of these downturns, you've seen enough of these things. They're certainly not identical, but I'll tell you all these downturns certainly look related. Um, You know, they're not necessarily brother and sister, but they're, they're cousins and you can move money accordingly. So that there is value in that money management and you can make a difference through downtimes like these. Well, analysis and data and perspective, I think, are always good traits to apply to any challenging situation. Uh, Growing your money right now is challenging, but Aptus Wealth, I know, has all the analysis and all the data, and they definitely have the experience and they definitely have the perspective. And if you'd like a little bit more instruction on how you can possibly mitigate your risk and take some of the fangs out of volatility... I'd encourage you to go to Josh's YouTube channel and find the episode where uh, he talks about uh, triggers. Would that be a good triggers thing to and look buffer for? strategies? Triggers yeah. and buffers, and that's exactly what we've talked about here on the show in past episodes. But if it went past you a little bit too fast, or you thought, "Yeah, that sounded good, but I didn't quite get it all," you can find it on the YouTube channel. Go to YouTube and search Josh Pick Finance. Okay, so what I see now with certain stocks they'll have a quarter that's bad and people will run kicking and screaming from them. And then that's like a run on banks and they're down. And does it mean that a company is necessarily a company you should avoid or get out of if they have a bad quarter? Uh, Easy answer. No. Um, However, what's even more confusing is they have a good quarter and then the stock price goes down Hmm. you go, well, how did that work out? I I thought we did, we were doing good. So should we be moving in the right direction? And, and all of these point to one thing, and that is in the short run. And by short run, I mean think of three months, six months, a year, two years. In the short run, a stock will be moved up or down, not necessarily directly proportional to its actual value. And its actual value would mean, 
the way you value a stock essentially at its core is, all right, it's uh, it's doing X amount of business. How many multiples of that revenue am I willing to pay for the stock? No different than if you wanted to go buy the pizza shop around yeah. the corner. You'd say, how much do you make? Well, we're bringing in the owner makes $200,000 a year. Five uh, times earnings. Five whatever. times earnings. I'll give yeah. you a million bucks for the company. Yeah. I go get a loan and buy it. Well, if you look at the S&P 500, you'll see companies that have valuations of 30 times, 15 times, 45 times. And you go, well, why is one worth more than the other? Well, that is the market estimating what they think it's going to go to at some point. How much growth right. prospect does it have? Right. Well, now we're just betting. We're betting. I don't know where it's going to be. In the long run, the valuation will always come back into play. So I have no idea why stocks react in certain ways in the short run. We're more worried about what it's going to do over five and 10 years. Yeah. And right now, one of the factors that's affecting it are inventories and inventories, you know, they could go, they could put their goods on sale. They could have a, you know, improvement in the supply chain. I mean, who knows? I know who knows. Aptus Wealth Management. They'll talk you through the situations now. They'll help you understand why things are volatile, how you can manage it. 614-917-1040. Aptuswealth.com is their web address located in Lewis Center. Find them. Take care of that free consultation right now. Do it today. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. We appreciate your time. This show replays at 2 o'clock on Saturdays. Tell your friends about it. It's a great way to understand financial concepts at a challenging time to grow your money. We're all trying to do that. We've all worked hard. We want to reach financial independence at some point in time. That's what they specialize in at Aptus Wealth Management. Located just off Route 750 in Lewis Center, just a little north of the 23270 interchange, but they also do business with a lot of clients via remote hookup. So that's one thing we have, I guess, good out of the pandemic is we can hook up on Zoom. But avail yourself of the free consultation at Aptus by setting up your appointment online at Aptus Wealth Management, A-P-T-U-S, or by phone, 614-917-1040. And Josh, in the first segment of the show, we talked a lot about inflation and its impact on investing and its impact on our household finances. The Fed is raising rates to try to get inflation under control. You talked about the importance of that, why it sees that as something that it has to do. But I wonder if you see in our entire government, not just the Fed, but we have, you know, uh, Congress, we have an executive branch also that have the ability to spend money or allocate money. Do you see a unified approach from our government that inflation is job one and that we're acting across the board in a way that will help us bring inflation back under control? Well, if we don't listen to what is being said, but rather what is being done, which I think is important. It's not what you say, it's what you do. Mm -hmm. And it's not likely that you're going to hear the government uh, talk about its indebtedness and the headlines anytime soon. But while the Fed is simultaneously raising interest rates to offset the kind of epidemic that we created in spending through the pandemic. um, So here we are trying to slow down inflation by what we've done. And while we're doing that, simultaneously, the U.S. debt continues to increase. National if, debt. National debt. You hear debt. that number all the time, national debt. So if you look at the national debt in October, in a mere eight months, 
prior to October till today. We're now at $31 trillion in deficit. Biggest all time. Biggest all time. Eight months ago, we we're at $30 trillion. So we've increased the debt by a trillion dollars in eight months while simultaneously doing interest rate hikes to thwart off inflation. And you'd say, well, big deal, we have a debt. Well, the problem with that debt is we do have a carrying cost to that debt. And as we raise interest rates, the U.S. has to pay a debt position mm. and don't think that that isn't impacted by interest rates. And, you know, let's just look at what's happened. If you look at just in 2022, when we really started talking about we have an inflationary problem, uh, the president has uh, authorized a combined $1.9 trillion in new borrowing. So here we are trying to slow down the impacts of borrowing by raising interest rates and affecting the overall economy while simultaneously borrowing another $2 trillion more. Rewind the clock back and say, well, you know, how bad has it been? And I'm not picking on any side of the aisle, but you got to, you know, all roads lead to the top. Yeah, and we've had, we've had administrations on both sides of the aisle that have contributed to the national debt. It's just this is the administration in office right now, and we're focused on inflation. So that's why we're looking at it through the lens of what has this administration done? Yeah, so let's look at the debt. And the debt's currently, we said $31 trillion, but let's just say it was at you know roughly $30 trillion eight months ago. We have added roughly $5 trillion to the debt since the new president took office. So wow, $5 trillion. And we look at a percentage of that. If we have a total of $30 trillion, $31 yeah. trillion, we've increased the debt percentage-wise dramatically. And until we figure out a way to slow that down, which I don't see through all of our new green initiatives that that's going to happen anytime soon, until we figure out a way to slow that down, we got some problems on the horizon. Now, does that mean, of course, as you're looking at your retirement portfolio, your investment portfolio, that all roads lead to doom? Of course not. There's ways that you can make money and the rich will figure out a way to get richer. And rather than fight them, join them, just figure out a way to improve your situation. But you asked me if we're unified. And I think, obviously, if you just look at the numbers, uh, we're not. We may sound like we are in the news, but not what we're doing. So I heard a report today that uh, the president believes that government spending is a way to escape inflation. I don't know if that was the commentator's takeaway or if that's actually been stated, but I think when you talk about the money we've borrowed and the money that we've spent on the uh, Build Back Better, or maybe it wasn't Build Back, American Rescue Plan. American Rescue Plan got passed. Inflation Reduction Act got passed. Uh, does that number that you gave on the borrowing, does that include the student loan forgiveness or would that be factored into that as well? You know, I, I believe that it does, but, you know, I've never seen a number on the student loan forgiveness where anybody's actually come up with a real number that it's actually going to yeah. cost. So I don't I mean, know. It is up in the air right now because yeah. there are legal challenges to it. But the point is, the larger point is there's been a lot of borrowing, a lot of spending, and the national debt is up. So is the idea that you can spend and still come out of inflation, I hear this, this uh, term sometimes, modern monetary theory. And uh, modern monetary theory to me always seems like it's, a change from past theory and past theory would have been that you can't spend your way out of inflation. But what is just a, maybe a cliff's notes version of modern monetary theory as it impacts people's wealth and growing their wealth and managing and investing and all those things that you specialize in at Aptus. Yeah. Let's keep this as basic, basic as we can. If you probably talked to your parents, they said, don't spend what you don't have. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And you didn't have access to spend what you didn't have because remember back in the days where if, if you were one of the lucky few that had a credit card, they would pull that machine up from behind the counter and <laughs> shunk, shunk, and they judged you, right? So you really had to have the money that you needed to spend. Well, fast forward to today, and none of us do that. As a matter of fact, if I said dig in your pocket, you probably couldn't come up with 100 bucks in cash in your pocket because you never use it. Mm-hmm. You use your card. So we've become very conditioned to that, and, and the government really isn't any different. The government's belief is if we can borrow money to impact what we can make in the future, then that arbitrage between the two, meaning we can go spend $100 million on X, but it'll generate $200 million over the next 20 years. That's a fair exchange. Sure, we hear that all the time. The problem with that, in, in my opinion, is really a matter of tracking and accountability. Because remember the way that the government works. We put into place plans that are going to take 20 years to come to fruition, but we only have four-year terms. Mm-hmm. So we can do whatever we want, say whatever is going to happen over the next 20 years, but every four years we have the opportunity of saying, well, this person before us screwed it up, and I'm going to spend more money coming up with a, a committee to go find out why it's screwed up. So you know, I'm not a huge believer in that, but I think the ideology makes a lot of sense. I mean, we have you know, infrastructure, for example. We, we do have some infrastructure plan, pro, uh, you know, problems in the United States. Do we need to improve upon that? Sure. Will that ultimately reap rewards in the long run? Yes. Are we in a position to start making bets on what's going to look better for us 30 years from now, uh, I would debate that point uh, pretty easily. Are we in a position where we can completely overhaul everything to green initiatives? Listen, I'm an outdoorsman. I like the outdoors as much as the next person, probably more. But are we in a position Mm. to make those rapid changes today? And I would say probably not. Now, I might be getting a little bit out over my skis on this because, you know, really I'm a, uh, which stocks do you pick and which investments do you pick? But I think as a whole, sometimes you're swimming with the current And sometimes you're swimming against the current. And I would say for the next two, three years, we're going to be swimming against the current. So you better know what you're doing. Or, uh, you know, if you've ever tried to swim against the current and the ocean, you end up just going further and further out. Yeah, that's that's a great use of a phrase, I think. It could be really instructive in this time. Are we in a position to do it? There is a time to do one thing and a time to do another thing. And I found from my consultation with Josh and putting him in charge of our retirement that they did a great job of explaining to us what our position is now, what our position can become, how we can mitigate and manage our risk, and how we can have peace of mind. You can set up that same consultation. It's free to you. It doesn't take very long at all going through the actual process. It takes next to no time to set it up. Just do it online at Aptus Wealth Management, A-P-T-U-S, Aptus Wealth Management, or via the phone at 614-917-1040. Speaking of being in that position, are we in a position? People who are drawing Social Security now we're in a period where you know you don't get much good news. They got good news this week. There's a big cost of living increase coming in Social Security. I think what the average check is going up $140. I mean, the reason why it's going up is inflation, which is not good, but it's good that our seniors who are relying on that are getting a bump uh, in an area where likely with prices going up, they need that increase. Yeah, I think if we look at it for people that are collecting, it's, it's a good thing, right? But let's think about it for people who aren't collecting <laughs> either. So if you're not collecting... And you were thinking about, well, if I wait between 67 and, and 68, I get an 8% increase. In, and that's essentially what it is, by the way. You get an, about an 8% increase every single year that you wait after you t- turn full retirement age. Well, now not only am I getting an 8% increase, but I'm getting a cost of living adjustment on top of that. So now we're talking about, you know, teens increases. Yeah. So, you know, I get a question oftentimes, when should I draw Social Security? And, and obviously, there. That's a very individualized question. You know, when's your retirement age? Uh, and when, by retirement age, I mean, when do you think you're going to collect versus when you're actually going to retire? Do you plan on doing a part-time job? 
Um, you know, do you have a spouse? Do you work for the state? Are you going to have some sort of windfall elimination provision? Uh, and then it comes down to cash flow, right? So if you need the cash flow, you can improve your situation simply by waiting a year. And these uh, inflation adjustments, when coupled with the automatic increase, can really make a dramatic difference. Now, I know that's probably not what you want to hear. We'll wait another year. But, you know, if you look back throughout history, we were getting, you know, 1% or 0% inflation adjustments. Mm -hmm. So terrible way to get it, but at least we're getting them. Yeah, and you thought last week that the increase cost of living related on Social Security might manifest itself in other areas that would take that money. Here it is in one pocket. Yeah, we got to have it out of the other pocket. And that turned out so far, at least not to be the case. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, you and I, and and it's very easy for all of us to point the finger towards government and say, look at all the things they are screwing up, but I got to give credit where credit's due. And, you know, last year, that's exactly what happened. We got this huge increase uh, in inflation adjustment, but then simultaneously we got one of the largest increases in the cost of Medicare in history. Uh, Your Medicare premium went up by 14.5% 14.5% or equated to about $22. Well, fast forward to this year, and I thought something similar would probably happen because mm-hmm. as I go to the doctor, it doesn't look like it's getting any cheaper. But you got to dig a little deeper and find out why it went up by $22, and we'll get to that in a second. Takeaway here is it's actually going to go down by 5 bucks a month. So for the first time in over a decade, the first time that I can remember in history, but they're telling me over in a decade, Uh, your Medicare premium is actually going down. So you're getting an inflation adjustment and you're getting a reprieve on your Medicare premium. Wow, that's great news. And and I had to dive in deeper because I was wondering, well, why? Is it it purely because we got this plan where we said now Medicare is going to be able to negotiate drug prices? Um, Yeah, kind of, it is. Uh, So if you look at the $22 that was increased last year on your Medicare premium, 10 bucks of that was for one Alzheimer's treatment. So, you know, what significant can just one thing make as it relates to Medicare? Well, what they did was they had this first-of-a-kind FDA-approved drug treatment for Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, excuse me, that was $56,000 per treatment. Well, they negotiated that down to $28,000. Well, what did that do? If it was cost, if it cost 10 bucks per person last year and you cut the darn thing in half, well, it mm-hmm. saves you 5 bucks. And they actually, believe it or not, passed it on to the consumer. So I guess that's good news all the way around. Now, one thing that I do here that I just want to kind of put to rest, because I had this conversation just the other day, where somebody said, well, I don't even pay Part B. You know, Part A is free. That's your hospital. Mm -hmm. Part B is your doctors and et cetera. And then Part D is your prescription drug plan. And they said, well, I don't pay a prescription drug plan, and I don't pay Part B. So uh, I guess I'm good. And turns out they had Medicare Advantage, which okay. just combines all those things together. Oh, all right. All Medicare Advantages is your Part B, Part D, and your and your uh, supplement all coupled together. So I assure you, you're paying Part B. Uh, but good news on the Medicare front. So glad to see that's coming out. Absolutely, we'll take good news anywhere we can get it. And I found it to be great news that I didn't have to worry about whether I was going to screw up my own retirement savings. It's something that I knew I needed to pay close attention to, something I knew I needed to be well-versed in. But, you know, the truth is I knew I wasn't equipped. A professional like Josh Pick and the Aptus Wealth Team are equipped, and I have gained peace of mind by going with them. I think you will as well. Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Set up your free consultation, 614-917-1040. And, and take advantage of his YouTube channel because we go through these concepts pretty quickly here. We try to explain them as clearly and also concisely as we can. But via the YouTube channel, search Josh Pick Finance, 
You can go in, you can stop it, you can pause it, you can take notes, you can replay it. It's a great resource for you to understand the things that we talk about. And that, if it works to get you in, in front of Josh and his team, so that you can gain the same peace of mind my wife and I have, I think it'll be a good use of your time. All right, Josh, we have talked about inflation and we've talked about companies down and all the different uh, dangers that there are out there and volatility and things like that. So I'm just kind of wondering what life is like in your office right now, because you have clients who've been with you a long time. They know you know your stuff. They know that what's going on in the market's not your fault, but it's your job to keep them from, as is everyone's fear, quote unquote, losing all my money. Is that worry real with people who have been through murky waters before and emerged from murky waters before, or are they processing all this in kind of a more, okay, better perspective than that? No, I think, you know, I actually posted to uh, to one of my, to Instagram yesterday, mm-hmm. a quote by Mark Twain. And the quote by Mark Twain is, uh, uh, being it's something to the effect of being anxious today is paying a debt that you don't owe yet. Because you're being anxious about something that hasn't even occurred yet. Yeah. And I find that happening daily in my office where people have, they say, well, I'm down and I can't afford to lose any money, or this time's different. I hear that all the time. We've never experienced anything like this. The debt is at an all-time high, or you know, we're spending at an unprecedented rate, or now we're a global economy, or the U.S. dollar is going to evaporate because of our financial mismanagement. Whatever the reason is that they're being heard, because being told, because remember, everybody is being told something on the news, and what sells? Being dramatic. Mm-hmm. I assure you that while this time is different, it's also the same. The, the debt has gone up consistently for decades and decades and decades. So you could literally point your finger somewhere over the last 20 or 30 years, and the debt would be at an all-time high for that particular debt. Now, I hear oftentimes, well, the rooster's going to have to come back to roost at some point, uh, so we're going to have to pay the piper at some point. And sure, that might be true. However, every single time, the market has gone down dramatically. Every single time throughout the last hundred years, if you would have just left it alone, you would have been handsomely rewarded. Hmm. But darn it, it's hard, and I get it. And the last thing that I want to do when I talk to people in my office is say, don't be stupid. Yeah. Right? You can't say that. you got to understand, it is very difficult. And fortunately, I'm sitting on the same side of the table as them, because let's think about it this way. Not only do I have my own money invested, when you're a fiduciary, you get paid an asset management fee. I don't mm-hmm. get paid a commission. So if all of our accounts were to go down by 20%, my income would go down by 20%. Mm-hmm. Not only do I feel it in my accounts, I feel it in my actual income. So I understand, believe me. But the only way that you can get through those times is through historical perspective, statistics, and showing people that even in light of all of these things, they're still okay. And one thing that I get all the time is, well, can I still, should I wait a year? Can I still retire? We've already calculated all of these types of downturns in the plan, and, and I got some really bad news for you. And I'll use you as an example. <laughs> um, you know, you had told me, and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, not sharing your personal information, but you had told me, you know, retirement to me might be different than what you typically talk to yeah. with people. You said, I, I want to be in a position to retire, but I don't anticipate I'll ever actually retire. I want to do something. Right, right, because what I do is not digging ditches. Like, it doesn't require, you know physical stamina or anything like that. I talk and I write. So that's something I think I can do to keep my mind active. So my perspective is a little bit different. But that's not that different these days. Uh, You know, what you're really saying is I want to get to a point of financial independence, right? I want to be able to retire. And if I could retire, would I do anything different? I might still work, but just might not be the same thing. 
Now, you fortunately love what you do and you'll continue mm-hmm. what you do. But some people hate what they do, but they make a great living. So they want to leave that and do something else. Well, we've calculated all of that in the plan. But let's fast forward now. You're probably going to encounter a scenario like this another three, maybe even four times before you die. Yeah. So this isn't new, and it's going to happen repetitiously. So you, you better start developing good habits now, or one of them is going to get you. And once it gets you, man, it's a hard hole to dig back out of. Well, and to that point, you know, I was preparing for our conversation today, and I was looking back at the headlines and some of the stories that have come across my desk. And I do this and when we prepare for our weekly visit on the Bruce Hooley Show on The Answer at 1230 on Mondays. We damn that segment Money Mondays. And I, I, in my mind, you know, when you say Great Depression, I think of the 1930s. My parents were children of the Great Depression. They talked about it a lot, a lot. It made a huge impression on them. But... When I was looking at the stock market downturn this year, I came upon the fact that this kind of a downturn is likened to what they said was the Great Depression. And I thought, sure, the 1930s. No, there was a depression from 1873 to 1875 that lasted longer. It lasted 65 months, not 43 months. We don't want this to last 43 months. We don't want it to last 65 months. The reason I bring that up is because... This has happened before, and to your point, it will happen again. And the reason why, like, the Dow's at 30,000 or it dipped under 30,000, oh, my goodness. Well, I remember when it was, you know, breaking news, it went over Mm 20,000. So if you just stay in, like you said, and I'm not saying stay in. I don't give financial advice. I'm saying this is an illustration of perspective. This is an illustration of perspective that, like many bad things, this too will pass. Yeah, and I learned a long time ago, the last thing you want to tell to somebody is just just hang in there. Yeah. Right? You know, I, I was when I worked uh, at a different company a long time ago, somebody had a really uh, funny, uh, I think it's what an acronym, right? It said, hang in there. I'm going to call it, call it an ac- acronym, which is HIT. You just got to hang in there. The problem is when they call you the second and third time, you got to say, still hang in there. And that's a completely different acronym, <laughs> right? So... I'm not telling you to just hang in there. I'm telling you, you have some options and you can regain control and you can be proactive. All I'm saying is do that in a pragmatic, logical way where there is a light at the end of the tunnel, not just a knee jerk. Ah, I got to get out of here because that will certainly kick you off of your road to success. So I don't want to give any illusion that I'm telling people just don't do anything. Just stay put. You might be in a terrible spot. Yes, um, I can't tell you how many times on a weekly basis somebody will come in and say, well, I told my advisor that we need to be super conservative because I'm not a risk taker. And I look at their account and go, not a risk taker. Really? 100% in the NASDAQ. Okay. Um, you're 100% in tech companies and in general kind of smaller companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't call that conservative. So, you know, in times like these, it's it's a great time to see where you stand. It's a great time to take inventory. It's a great time to see is what I'm trying to accomplish congruent with what I'm actually doing. So I'm not suggesting you don't do anything, but what I am suggesting you don't do is just pull the ripcord and go, I'm out. I'm going to cash. You're not going to get to where you want to go doing that. I promise. Yeah, because that would violate that age old wish we all have, which is buy low, sell high. I mean, right now the market's down. So you're wherever you bought, you're certainly selling low. Exactly. So let's think about some strategies that you could do there. Again, I said, let's reevaluate where you stand. And you may find 
that you were a little more aggressive than you probably should have been mm-hmm. is now a time where you may you may want to change that and go more conservative. And you'd say, well, that, but then I'm selling low and that's a bad choice. You know what? That's water under the bridge. Now it's time to reevaluate and go where you should have been to begin with. But let's think about where we go moving forward. I'm still working. I'm contributing to my 401k. I'm putting money in an IRA, whatever it might be. It might be a scenario where you take what's already existing in your 401k and move it more conservative because you were simply too aggressive before. Mm-hmm. But your ongoing contributions where you're getting maybe even hopefully a match, we go more aggressive with that because now we're t- participating in dollar cost averaging in a more aggressive pot that's more volatile. We're buying more shares low. And when the market turns around, we're going to benefit from that. So that's one of many strategies that you can employ that you might say, does that really make a big difference? It does. <laughs> yeah, it makes it does. a gigantic difference. So. You know, right now, if you want to turbocharge kind of your savings or turbocharge what you'll have at retirement, if you're in a financial position where you still have your job and you're still, you know, sitting strong and you go, I have this extra money that I could be investing, but I'm kind of paralyzed. During these down times is a great time to start kind of just gradually shifting that back in and that gradual shifting we call dollar cost averaging, which is a predetermined I'm going to invest X amount of dollars per month. And I'm more concerned about the amount of shares I acquire as opposed to, in the short run, what the dollar amount is. Yeah, great advice. And those are tried and true principles. And in this kind of a situation, you know, certainly it's unique, it's challenging, but things that have worked over time, they still work in concept, but you have to know exactly why you're doing something and what makes sense and what's risk and what's not risk and how do you manage risk. And that's what they specialize in at Aptus Wealth Management. Get the peace of mind that I have, 614-917-1040. Set up your free consultation. Check out Josh's YouTube channel. You get to see him. You get to hear him. You get to know him a little bit better. Set up your consultation online, aptuswealth.com. We'll see you again next week. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you again. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.